Today, as we continue our series of just back to the basics, going through these basic and sometimes familiar Sunday school stories that we maybe forget to revisit, I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9, and pay attention as we read God's Word to the the focus on making a name. It's not about the beautiful name of Jesus that we just sang about. It's about making a name for ourselves, this story in Genesis 11, 1 through 9. This is the story of the Tower of Babel. And maybe you've heard this one before, or there's some familiarity with it. Uh, But as we come to it again, I invite you to hear it with fresh eyes or hear it with fresh ears, read it with fresh eyes, hear it with fresh ears. But in all of this, let the Holy Spirit give you a fresh heart to pay attention to what's happening in just these short nine verses. You also might hear me talk about the people in the Tower of Babel as the Babylonians, and there is a reason for that. They're going to try to build a great city in Genesis 11. And the city of Babel was not a total failure from their original objective. Now, the tower and construction will cease, as you will hear. But some people stuck around, even when others were scattered. In the early verses, you'll hear about the plains of Shinar as the site of where this took place. And why that matters, and why anyone reading this, especially when when these stories were first being circulated... Anyone in that day would know the plains of Shinar is where the kingdom of Babylon is. The plains of Shinar is where Babylonia is. We don't hear that because it's not our geography. But if I asked you, if you were in the Everglades, what state are you in? Florida. We just know this. Anyone else in the ancient Near East would hear the plains of Shinar, and they would know they were talking about Babylon. It'll start with the Tower of Babel. That's not going to go so well. But those who stayed continued to babble on, founding Babylon. And that's not even a joke. That's just archaeology. So as we come to God's word together, may we have fresh hearts and may God grant us a fresh heart to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. O Lord, our God, in today's sermon, we regard the babbling of fools, and here I stand to speak about it. By your Holy Spirit, may the babbling of my mouth provide a few words that reflect your heart, O Lord. And may this be its own small miracle, that just as you, God, chose a small tribe and a small family of a small people to bless the world, I ask that you use a few small words of the sermon to bless those who hear by the power of your Holy Spirit, which gathers us and sends us in this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole world had one language, And a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. 
And they said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Heisinger, Berghoff, Gary Peters, John James, Trump Pence, Biden Harris. Who are you trying to make a name for? It's a timely question to ask the month before a political election in our country. Who are you trying to make a name for? Who are you helping to make sure that they can make a name for themselves? Everywhere you go, from wherever you are today, you have seen names on signs. Now, that's inevitable. Politicians are always going to use their names to advertise. And there's a good reason for that, because they need their name to be made. That way, on election day, that you are familiar with their name, that you know it, that they have made a name for themselves, and that you, whether red or blue, have helped them make a name for themselves. They need name recognition because everyone who's on the ballot needs us, the voters, to go in, and when we look at our ballot, we need to know the names, and there needs to be a certain feeling attached to them already. There needs to be names that sound familiar and comforting and strong and visionary and brilliant. And politicians need to make sure that the names of their opponents are names that sound unsettling. Ones that you feel fearful, dismissive, or outraged by. Who are you trying to make a name for? And how's it going? And as you watch virtually anything on a screen, you'll see the desire to make a name for oneself and to make sure that uh, the feelings towards someone else's name is unsettling. In a world where we don't necessarily expect politicians to tell the truth, we can bank on them to be good at marketing so that they can make a name for themselves. Is there a street that you've driven on recently that you don't see someone's name? Everyone's making a name for themselves. And when we come to this story, the Tower of Babel, one of people just babbling, 
there's two simple points that we can make. One is our own kind of almost distance that gives us some confidence, that can make us arrogant, that we can look down on the people in that time with a little bit of a recurve question. The first point is this. Silly Babylonians trying to make a name for themselves. Question, are we so different today? Second point would be silly Babylonians so easily divided and scattered. Question, are we so different today? In a, this is a world of making names. We want to make a name for ourselves. And if someone's in competition with you, it does you well to bring down their name. But what was the original sin of the people building this tower, this great city in the plains of Shinar, which would become Babylon? Genesis 11.4 is the only speaking line on behalf of the group. They said, verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that, here's the purpose, so that we may make a name for ourselves. So that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, here's the thing to be afraid of, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. They don't want to be scattered. They don't want to be sent anywhere. If we can stay together, we can stay safe and secure. This is the way forward. Be afraid of anything that pushes you out or, or leads you to be scattered. And we need to make a name for ourselves. That's how we're going to stick together. That's how we'll be unified. We will build this great city with a tower reaching to heaven. And so they started with making bricks. It's the same language about making bricks that gets used later on in Moses' time when the people were enslaved and they were making bricks for the Pharaoh, a false god. Here in the Tower of Babel already, the people are making bricks for the false god of making a name for themselves. And the motivation is fear-based. It's pride-based that we're making something great of ourselves, but it's fear-based also that we do not want to be scattered. The original sin of Babel was making a name for ourselves. It's the fault that the Lord seems to find with them. And it is an ironic and timely fault for us to wrestle with right now, this month, in our country. The people on the plains of Shinar wanted to make a name for themselves with some urgency. And it's easy for us to say, how silly, how silly that they keep trying to make a name for themselves. But it's worth asking the question with a fresh heart. Are we so different? Because the harder it seems that people try to make a name for themselves right now, the more divided we become as a country. Whose name would you defend at all cost? Whose name would you ignore the faults of to elevate the good of? And whose name are you willing at the drop of a hat or the click of a share button to trash? I think we were created for more than this. 
We were created for more than division. We were created for more than all of this hatred. And that is because we were created not to make a name for ourselves. We were given much more potential than that in the creation story. Do you remember that from a few weeks ago? When the architect and the artist of the universe made humanity the culminating event of the work of creation, followed by Sabbath. God created us as very good, and God knows our true potential. God knows what we are capable of and even says so in verse 5. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come. Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So first, those foolish Babylonians trying to make a name for themselves. Are we so different? But then second, those silly Babylonians so easily divided and scattered. Are we so different? Is it so hard to scatter us to divide us? There's a poetic reminder lodged in those verses, too, that, that God has to come down to look at this city that the humans are building, that despite our greatest works, our greatest achievements, and our greatest accomplishments, God still has to make quite a trip from the throne room of the universe down to take a look at what we are up to. God still has to come down to us. This is humbling, and it should be, that of our greatest achievements, it's something that God still has to take a look down to. The people in Babylon are never going to elevate so high that they would be sitting even with God, even if that was their motivation in making a name for themselves. Was that all it took, though? To divide their language. They didn't understand each other. What one was saying to the other no longer made sense. I don't typically even like to think of some of the words that, that God uses to describe God's action as applying to God in this case. God talks about confusing and scattering people. I don't like that. And maybe if you're reading with that same kind of heart, you won't like that either. That's not what God is supposed to do. That's not how God is supposed to behave. God calls us together. God unifies us. God brings us around one another. That's part of what we celebrate World Communion Sunday for. But here in Genesis 11, God is scattering people. God is scattering people and dividing them and confusing them. I don't typically think of God as confusing. Rather, most of our prayers for discernment are when we're asking God to clarify something. Yet God shuffles people around on this one for good reason. They're trying to make a name not for the Lord of all creation. They're trying to make a name for themselves. And God shuffles people around. Even though we have such great potential as we were created with, we have great potential to work together, to cooperate, to build each other up and pursue holy endeavors. Our efforts are so often misguided. Those people on the plains of Shinar, at the Tower of Babel, 
they are not praising God's name, but they are trying to celebrate their own importance. They aren't interested in any vision of God's kingdom of righteousness and justice and mercy. They just want a safe place so that they won't be scattered throughout the earth. God scatters. Think ahead to the New Testament. Maybe that softens up our idea of what God is doing in Babel. Because Jesus talks about scattering seed. And then after Jesus died and rose again, does Jesus tell people to stay put in Jerusalem and make a name for themselves? Nope. It starts there. Go into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. Last week at the baptism of Archie Vandenbosch, we celebrated that same promise. Go therefore into all of the world, making disciples of all nations. Our God is a sending God. And when we are obedient, we can be sent and we can be gathered. But if we only want the gathering, if we only want that, then God's sending will look a little bit like scattering. And it doesn't take much. God shuffles people around. God had to shuffle the disciples around a little bit to send the gospel to every corner of the earth. The people aren't going to stay together. That's not what they were told to do at the end of last week with Noah's Ark, to fill the earth, go throughout it. And a few people thought, nope, we've got to stay together. I don't blame the people of Babel necessarily. What they were doing probably made sense to them because they're not that different from us. They wanted to be safe. They wanted to stick together. And who knows, maybe a tall tower could have kept them safe from another flood. It seems like at least one person could have been thinking that. If they knew any kind of story of the flood, they thought, well, if I was the person lucky enough to be in the highest point of the tower, and that is to forget God's promises, to forget that God said, that's not going to happen again. But it was all human effort. It's not about one holy city, whether it was Babylon that they were trying to establish, or whether it was Jerusalem, where the church began with the death and resurrection of Jesus and the first disciples proclaiming his name. But even Jerusalem was not meant to be where people stayed. They weren't told to stay there, but to go. They did try to stay for a while. And then persecution broke out, and the church moved from Jerusalem to Antioch. And again and again and again. When people are not willing to be sent, God will scatter. What is your willingness to be sent? And what is the capacity that we have to not be so easily divided? I believe in a vision of God that gathers us together around word and sacrament and then sends us out. Not a God that has to come down and poke us and push us out the door because we want to stay where it's safe. Babel was all about human efforts and making a name for ourselves. It's not the story of salvation. It's not about us being able to save ourselves or prove ourselves by our efforts. Because it's not a tower that will unite us. It's a cross. And it's not a city that will save us. 
It's a savior. People are trying to make a name for themselves. How silly. People were so easily divided. They couldn't understand each other. So they were scattered. Friends, I am reminded today that we are a scattered people. Sometimes in the best versions, it's the beauty of being sent. But right now, in this moment, it feels like there's a lot of things about us that are scattered. I wonder where masks fit into all this. We can laugh at the people of Babel to think, couldn't they have figured out how to communicate with each other and still work together? Have you ever changed anyone's mind about what they think? Maybe about masks or how things should be done? I can say that there is exhaustion in division. That Pastor Audrey and I know full well that our guidelines are way too strict for some and not strict enough for others. That we are so easily divided that there are those who will not be here for a time. You can judge their reasons. There are those who say, I will not work with those guidelines. They are too strict. It's ridiculous. And you can judge their reasons. The two competing babbling that we're, the babbling that we're doing back and forth is faith over fear and science over stupid. And no one will push to the other side. And that's because I think our efforts are misguided because God knew how easily divided human beings were. Shuffle a couple languages around, the people were scattered. And look at us today with our own Tower of Babel being scattered. And it is exhausting. And in reading this peculiar Old Testament story, it brings a reflection back on just why our division can be so exhausting. Because division is the erosion of love. I don't have anything particularly against the signs that say faith over fear. I think it's well intended. But it's not accurate to what Scripture teaches. It doesn't hold up to the simple and clear thesis of 1 John chapter 4, 18. 1 John 4, 18. The people in Babel did not have this verse either. 1 John 4, 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love, but we love because God first loved us. As faith over, faith over fear and science over stupid continue to be our two battling cries in our world and even within the church, we're forgetting that it was not faith that casts out fear, but it was love. And the people of Babel, they don't love each other. They're trying to make a name for themselves. And so it was easy to divide them. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. How do we do that here? 
How do you love the ones who aren't handling this the right way? Because you know that you're handling it the right way, no matter what way you choose to handle everything going on in the world. How do you love the people who aren't handling it the right way, the way that you are? We were scattered and divided at Babel as humanity because of our desire to make a name for ourselves. Today on World Communion Sunday, hopefully we remember that God loves and yearns for our gathering. And it is a diverse gathering. And if you've ever gone to anywhere on a mission trip, have you not experienced the beauty of the diversity of worship in Haiti, in Mexico, various places in Asia and Africa? There is a beauty to when our diversity that came from our sentness is gathered back together. And that's because we're in those moments, we're all making a name for Jesus. Jesus' critique of the Pharisees in prayer in Matthew chapter 6 is that they babble on like the pagans. And what are they doing? They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to be self-righteous and important. They babble on. Where did they learn that? Babylon, where Babel was attempted. Are we going to love each other? Or are we going to babble at each other about how we're right and smart and how everyone else is dumb and misguided? Are we going to use social media to care for people or to mock them? Ultimately, Who are you making a name for? Is it making a name for Jesus in how we conduct ourselves? Or would we just rather go after each other with competing slogans? What does it look like to love someone who handles this differently than you do? When we remember that for Jesus it was not about a city, It was that good and evil were contained in every human heart. And that this was the call to love one another as I have loved you. When we want to make our name, our camp, the most important one, there will be no love. There will be scattered division just as there was at Babel. We can make this about masks. We can make this about politics. We can make this about whatever we want it. The point is, is we are so easily scattered and divided. How will we love one another? Does it mean the hospitality of saying, I can play by these rules if that's what we need to do? Or does it mean giving up on the idea that everyone who isn't maybe following the same precautions you are, is basically trying to murder the world. How do we regain love? If we've learned anything from these stories so far, it's knowing that we can't do it ourselves. We love because Christ first loved us. How did Jesus interact with people who disagreed with him? Jesus listened Jesus was very wise, and Jesus very very rarely fought in the ways that we consider fighting. Friends, 
it is an exhausting season to be divided. What does it look like to love again? I would challenge you to, you know people that handle this differently than you. If I were to offer a challenge, I would say, call them and talk to them and just see how they're doing. Don't judge their reasons for wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. But how are they doing as a person? What will it look like for us to worship again together, knowing that some can't and won't be here? And others will say, everything we're asking you to do is just ridiculous and stupid. We've heard it all. Repeatedly. And what's missing in the conversation is how do we love each other well? The good news of the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And that Jesus did gather us back together with remembrance, communion, and hope. At this table, we are reminded, as we look forward to that vision, when all peoples, every tribe and language and nation and tongue, all of God's beautiful diversity will be gathered here at this table. God did scatter us, and God did send us out. But not without a plan to bring us back together. Friends, as we partake of this bread and this cup today, please remember who you share it with. You share it with the whole world. You share it with people who are handling and approaching COVID very differently. You share it with people who look and worship, eat and even smell differently than we do. And this is good. So as we try to figure out who to make a name for, let's remember that the name that will unite us is Jesus, and that no other name is as perfect and as good as the name of our Lord, who showed us how to love even sacrificially. And to follow his example means we do make some sacrifices also. And so as we do so,